I know the night is late, but when we come back, our very first bill will appeal the funding for 87,000 new items. Democrats were shuddering privately just a few days ago about how big the margin was going to be. Republicans were predicting a red wave, but they may end up with the same slim majority Democrats have had for the last two years. We are going to take the House back. But we've got so much more to do, and I have only begun to fight. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll Welcome back to the Ruthless Variety program. A full cast and crew here at the program. Welcome back, Michael. It's great to be here. It's great to be here. Uh, a tan, ready and rested. <laughs> I should say so. I should say so. I mean, <laughs> not everybody can figure out how to go on <clears throat> such a luxurious vacation at the beginning of every year. Um, well, I wouldn't say it's the beginning of every year. <laughs> That's a pretty good tradition, honestly. It's, it's not bad. Like, I just won't go to work. And when you're taking when you're taking your kids, as you know, it's it's not a fulsome vacation, <laughs> you know, traveling for the holidays. So yeah, I took a little extra time. I gotta say, uh, you know, I listened to every episode while I was out. Uh huh. What a treat! Oh, really? No, seriously. Good. I'm I mean, glad. My friends, you guys are pretty good at this. Well, I, you know, we put a lot of effort. We had to sort of overcome our adversity throughout. <laughs> I, my favorite, like, so <laughs> I, I listened to the episode where Hollywood Hen was on and you were talking about the University of Idaho murders. Yeah. My favorite line in it was when Smug was like, well, hold on, hold on. Is this one of these woke prisons that allows <laughs> men and women to be housed together? And Ashbrook immediately goes, good point, good question. <laughs> that's a thing. I, well, I was on the plane and I was just dying, <laughs> dying. Uh, so it's like, yeah, I, I felt like I was here in spirit. I still got to be with you guys, you yeah. know, even though you were kind of giving me a hard time at the top of most of the episodes. I was okay. I'll give you a little bit of a hard time. That's okay. We didn't go into your Instagram at all. No, we no. did. Well, oh, not on the show. No. But thankfully, Michael did treat us to a few wonderful Instagrams. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And uh, I'd just like to talk about I it thought they me. were tasteful. You know, Duncan rolled up to my place, and uh, I guess uh, the phone can show the pictures on the TV now, right? Yeah, the little airplay. Dude, I was like, this looks like one of those like wallpapers or screensavers that comes with <laughs> Windows. I was like, is this, you took this? Like, legit, it's just, I mean, it's mind-blowing. <laughs> The way this island looks. Yeah, I was in Hawaii, and and uh, man, dude, it's just beautiful. It's a gorgeous place. It's beautiful. I and you know, I might not not ever get back there, but I, I really wanted to do it once. Uh, I did a lot of hiking and stuff, and uh, I mean, really try to make the most of it. We, if you ever go to the island of Maui, I highly recommend taking the road to Hana. Is what it's called. Uh, you might puke because it's mostly windy like road, windy road, two lanes, sometimes one lane bridges. Oof. You're going to hate that part. But once you get there, it's like Eden. It's Is absolutely, that where it was like the bamboo forest after yeah, that? Yeah. People way trail and you go up to these falls and it's incredible. Incredible. Well, I mean, look, we're glad to have you back. Glad to be back. There's one question I had though about <clears throat> your Instagram posts. Okay. Uh, it was this picture in particular, and I'll, I'll now, for our listening audience, just show you uh, what I'm talking about. God, here. I look so handsome. You look very handsome. It's you and your lovely bride. Look at my creamy thighs. And, and well, that's where I'm focused. <laughs> yeah. 
That's where I'm focused. What, You've what? got what appears to be some kind of a sorority stance going here. Yeah, it's a power stance. Yeah, <laughs> it's a back foot forward, front foot. Yeah, you, know, you, you know when you even do weight when you do the Peloton like I do, <laughs> your core is just so strong <laughs> that you, it opens you up to a lot of other stances. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> you got. You got some stances. It sort of looks. It, it, it looks much. like like I don't know if that'd be first position. It looks like a ballet stance. I look. I get it. Smog, you have any thoughts on that? I think Bro, I look he's good. Just like I, the core is crushing it. Hard, <laughs> hardcore. Hard <laughs> yeah. Look how tan I look. The only thing you were missing in that is hands on the hips. Yeah, yeah. You should have done with a like a. Oh, a skinny arm. Yeah, a skinny arm. <laughs> do, I, do I do a skinny arm? No. Well, you kind of have a makeshift skinny arm in that you're dealing with a hand in the pocket with the elbow out. Yeah. If you might brought that pocket hand out to the hip, we'd get a full skinny arm. I can do a skinny arm. I'm sure there's some other photos in which I've used one. Yeah. It's a slimming technique. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Do you want to look? You want to look bad in photos? And, and see the thing. I, is, there's no. I just want to point. There is no shame in my game. <laughs> Now, this guy's trying to build an OnlyFans following. That's, That's right. exactly right. And, and, and so, like, when I take a photo, I have no idea what to do. So I'm, like, super grateful to, to President Trump to, of making the thumbs up thing. That's because that's what you do. So now every photo, it's like, I don't know what to do. Am I going to, like, stand? You know, what do you want me to do? Clap? What the fuck's going on? So thumbs up every time. Solves the problem. Like, everyone's like, okay, no, stop. You can't do a thumbs up. Everyone's cool with it. Yeah, it's like Ricky Bobby, you know, in the, in the I don't, I don't know, what know what to do with my hands. Yeah. yeah. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, skinny arm, you hand in the pocket, skinny thumbs up. Arm. It all works. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've learned here something today that it's appropriate for a man to do a sorority pose with a skinny arm. Just, we I, don't look down on the Ruthless Variety program. I think I looked very handsome. You did. I'm not I'm not arguing with the handsomeness. Okay. There's no question about that. I question a little. Well, let's leave it there. <laughs> uh, we got a big show. We we wanted to welcome Michael back with a whole bunch of, of fun and extravaganza. I think we're not playing not one, but two games today. Two games. Um, it's going to be a great, a great deal. And, you know, look, clearly we got a lot of stuff happening here. One thing we need to clear up. Apparently, what you said about tortoises and turtles. Yeah. Or was it frogs and toads? I thought it was frogs and toads. So that's what that's what is very unclear to me with this this ombudsman report because you know yeah. we like to keep fact check ourselves. Yeah, I think I think also on like on the side when he brought that up, he might have said it's like turtles and tortoises or something. I was like, dude, this is the exact same thing. Turtle is American way to say it. <laughs> tortoise is what they say in England. <laughs> so yeah, so but we were like, talking oh, about we were talking about frogs versus toads. So you're saying the ombudsman needs an ombudsman? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, who watches the watcher, dude? That's right. Because at no point were we talking about tortoises and turtles. We were talking about frogs and and toads. And mm. and you'd still maintain that a toad is a British word for frog. Dude, it is legit the same animal. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true <laughs> like they're different colors oh. and, and, sh- and, and sizes and such and like you know their own like types like you know the amazon ones has blue sure and an american green one <laughs> but they're the same animal <laughs> <laughs> it's like a dog and a cat yeah i got it okay all right let's read some five stars shall we let's we always like to start with the voice on these things here smash what do you got for us Okay, this one comes from Jim Milf. <laughs> Jim is in like you, you, GYM. GYM Milf. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And the subject is getting ripped with Ruthless. Nice. Like every slovenly American, I resolved to get in shape at the start of January 2022. 
But what would keep me going to the gym week after week, I ask? I would have to trick myself like Pavlov's dog to stay committed. Enter the program. I only allowed myself to listen to it when I'm working out. Thanks to you, I ended the year stronger, slimmer, and smarter than ever before. That's all. Oh, that's great. That's Jim great. Milf. Jim Milf. Here's the, uh, another healthy 2023. Yeah. Well, well done. And, and the fact that they're listening, they're probably crushing it right now at the gym. So, go, you know, go you. Yeah. Crush it. Good work, Jim Milf. Uh, Smug, what do you got? So this one's from Gem43. Oh, it is. You had me at dressage is the title. Fellas, so glad I found the program. I about lost it when I heard Smug mention dressage in a recent episode. I'm a dressage professional and have a lengthy commute from my home to the farm where I teach. Your podcast keeps me completely entertained as I travel the back roads of Northern Virginia. Keep up the great work and happy new year. How, how, how sweet would that be? Living in Northern Virginia and you get to like work with horses all day. Dressage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Totally. I'd like to see some dressage. I mean, for those of you who are unaware of the skill set involved with dressage, yeah. very intricate training yeah. involved. Yeah. I mean, you're basically teaching the horse how to do ballet and trust you enough as you ride it to do ballet you know and like people get hurt yeah like people get hurt because <laughs> i mean a horse doesn't typically you know it's an animal it's a wild animal yeah, we'll normally want to do ballet if you're telling it to do ballet well, right and these horses are real athletes i mean just look at rafalka <laughs> rafalka is probably in the hall of fame for dressage right rafalka being the famous romney horse that was the famous romney horse that's exactly right well, and if you saw, not very many good things come out of Olympic coverage these days. I feel like it's sort of lacking. But the last Summer Olympics, they had Snoop and Kevin Hart doing like a uh, sort of side-by-side analysis, as they would call the events. And if you can't, if you haven't seen them do dressage, you ought to check that out. Oh, man, out. definitely. It's, it is very, very funny. Very funny. Uh, all right, Duncan, what do we got for this last one? This is from Captain Furious. The title is A Hilarious Force for Good. Hi, guys. I just wanted to say thanks and let you know the impact you are having. I've been enjoying the program for over a year, mainly because I enjoy politics and you guys make me laugh. But your message of getting off the sidelines and getting in the game began to sink in. I decided to take the plunge. I ran for state senate in Westchester County, New York. I did not win. It's a D plus 22 district. But I had a great experience and met a lot of great people, including Mike Lawler, mm. who is the real deal. Oh, yeah. Nice. So thank you, guys. No way I do that without listening to your podcast. Oh, I love that. Yeah. What a great thing to say. On another note, the Glengarry Glen Ross parody was the best of the political season. <laughs> but I humbly submit that my campaign trailer, a parody of Taken, available on my website, was a close second. Oh, lovely. Nice. We'll have to check that out. Cheers and Happy New Year. Frank Murtha. We'll oh, check that out. I, nice. See, that's that's terrific. Yeah. Inspiring a guy to go out and try to do good. I love that. Thank you, Frank. Thanks for all that. All right, so we ended last week uh, with the ongoing debate over the next Speaker of the House, which, you know, sort of descended into uh, a little bit of chaos, right? It's cl- certainly unclear. You don't see that a lot in American democracy anymore, where people go to the floor with uncertain results. Uh, it happened for during the course of the week, and you heard all of our commentary about you know, what we thought about all of that. But I got to tell you, if nothing else, fellas, it was pretty entertaining at the end there. Uh, I mean, I thought uh, one of the most amazing parts of the whole situation was, and there were, there were photos of, of it too, is uh, I guess Marjorie Taylor Greene was getting a call direct from Donald yeah. Trump. 
and she's like trying to hand the phone to Matt Rosendale. And then on the phone, it says DT, so like <laughs> yeah. caller ID. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's kind of a hard flex. If yeah. you've got a president in your phone by initials, <laughs> by initials. Yeah. Kind of baller. No, I'm, but all that stuff we got to see play out in real time, right? As they're trying to whip these votes. And, and look, as we talked about last week, the, there was 20 holdouts and they kind of fell into two categories. One category was this never Kevin group, which were unclear about what they wanted. And the other were very specific about what they wanted. It was led by Chip Roy. And they had a whole bunch of reforms that they wanted to see put into place in the rules committee and everything else about how the institution functions, that they would have available amendments, that they could, you know, impact the product before there was an up or down vote on the floor. And like, you know, like I said last week, some of them I think are, are incredibly well thought out. Others, I, you know, I personally think are probably not likely to impact things one way or another and sort of superfluous. But either way, there was a, a, an effort to try to get something done in the context of a speaker election because you couldn't move on. Right. Right. The House, you couldn't swear in a single member of the Congress until they got this done. So they used it as an inflection point to try to push things in a direction that they saw as best for the country, which, you know, I got to tell you, that's what legislating is. And as long as it gets you to a point where you can ultimately say yes, as Chip and his group ultimately got to, um, that's kind of how it's supposed yeah, to work, isn't it? Yeah, and I have no problem with that. I mean, the problem that I had with it all was sort of this preening, self-attention-seeking behavior. Like, Gates writing the letter well, that's to the, the architect, yeah. you know, being like, oh, you know, McCarthy shouldn't be in the speaker's office setting up yet. He's not speaker. And it's like, dude, what are you doing? Right. You know, like, what are you? what is that? What, right. is, what is that? How does that move the ball forward? Right. That's just getting attention for retweets. And that's the sort of stuff that I thought was a really unfortunate distraction from, I think, some of these House Freedom Caucus folks, the Jim Jordans of the world, who I think were trying to do meaningful reforms. But this idea that, like, Kevin McCarthy can't be speaker. He doesn't know how to win. Dude, he just won a majority. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and these dudes have a, have a line on it. Yeah, they got a line on it, you know? And so I, so I think, I think you're, you've diagnosed it correct. You know, and I just really wish I could have been here for the whole thing for my thoughts because I was like Colonel Kurtz in the jungle, like just like losing my mind. Well, and you got to say something for Kevin McCarthy here during this whole thing, right? Because the entirety of the media and the Democratic Party is rooting against this guy at every turn. Every failed vote. And I think there were, what, 14 ultimately? It, yeah. Uh, every failed vote. All, they all were saying, well, it's now the time. Now does he step away? Like, who's next? I mean, they're basically just trying to push his ass out. And he wouldn't have it. He kept working and kept working. And I think if you're going to elect a speaker, that's kind of what you're looking for, right? You don't right. want somebody who's just going to fold the tent and walk away. And he ultimately got it done at the end. But, like, I got to tell you, I, just, like, the the twists and turns and, like, ultimately they thought they had it at the end. I think, I guess, on the 14th, uh, there was a misunderstanding of, like, who will vote present or what. And then, yeah. like... I mean, within 30 seconds, you saw, like, you know, uh, Gates and K-Mac just straightened it out. They're like, okay. It got done. Done. But it wasn't without drama. And a nice little altercation on the floor, yeah. which was or was not necessary. But we know. got it, But we got all the angles on it because of the access that's provided before, you know, the House typically 
it kind of closes well, down those yeah. camera angles and stuff. I just I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on this. Like I would love if we had that sort of coverage all the I time. I think we need totally. more of it. C-SPAN was really one of the big winners of this whole process. Yeah. I, we should do it every day. And, and, and Michael, to your point about preening, I didn't like the preening either at the beginning. But the more I watched on Friday night, the more I loved the theatrics. And the sort of theatrics that are usually reserved for presidential politics and primaries that we're all going to be treated to here over the next two years, we could get on a daily basis from the House of Representatives. Because you know every single one of those members has a little bit of flair for the dramatic inside of them if they only have the stage provided for them to bring it out. Well, and you could also weed out the D-bags pretty quickly right. too, right? <laughs> right? You know? Like, how about the Democrats who, like, gave the speech every time they voted? Yeah, dude. It's 14 like times in a row. It's like, say the name, bro. And like, H- Hakeem- say the name and keep the roll rolling, <laughs> you know? And, and Hakeem Jeffries doing the whole Dr. Seuss, like, alphabet speech? Like, come on. Oh, man. Get off the stage. It's not your moment, pal. And it, it's not. And he, like, he, he felt like there was the moment at the, at the end of 14 ballots in the middle of the night, he's going to treat the country to like 20 minutes of what his thoughts are right on the guy. right like off oh, max bell I really, I really appreciate it <laughs> but i th- i think it's it, it turns into a it turns into a, a game of showmanship yeah and and the the, the best showman can win and i, I just i feel like we got to have 435 people who maybe could do it but the cream will rise to the top i, I think i read something about chip roy saying that he wants to keep the c-span yeah he did free he, he did i agree with him on that that's pretty cool that's yeah pretty cool i mean let, let the people see let the people see Anyway, the, 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 the best part, to your point, Ashbrook, was watching the process unfold in a, in a sort of difficult-to-watch legislating environment. Like, this is kind of, for those of us who've been in it, this is what this is like. It happens in smaller rooms, and it happens over a large, longer course of time than just sort of one floor setting over four days. But that, that's kind of how public policy gets done. You're just not treated to it. Mm-hmm. And this was this was like, uh, I don't know. I'm all for it. Yeah. I'm all for it. And in the end, now we have our House majority, right? I mean, that's the most important part. Everything can start. Which I, I you know, as we're taping this, they're going to vote on a rules package and all those things. We'll see how it all works out. But, but also, like, the details are wild. Like, none of the member, member elects at the time could like answer the phone or emails because yeah. it's like you're not officially a member of Congress, so it's like, and there uh, were technically no rules on the floor. Really? <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. It's 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 <laughs> like it's a good situation. There's tech. The reason that C-SPAN cameras could do what they were doing is because the rules had not been passed for the house and so you can technically do anything it's like the purge dude yeah <laughs> like it's like as long as you're shy of breaking any state or federal laws like you're pretty much golden amazing yeah so that's that's kind of what they had going on there but anyway i think in the end there's going to be a lot of drama about what it is that these rules do in terms of how they can govern i think it remains to be seen mm-hmm. right i mean the big challenges that all the Democrats in the media want to talk about are the two must-pass things that we discuss: a debt ceiling uh, situation sometime in upcoming months, and in September they're going to have to figure out how to pass government funding. Like those two things have to happen. They got a lot of time to figure it out. And look, if they can figure this out in five days, I have some. I got some reason to believe they can figure that out. Too. What, what I do like is that they got in writing, basically. I guess that there can be no more of these like gun at your head kind of like omnibus bills like i guess regular yeah. order is how they're going to pass spending in this country which thank god which is amazing Fantastic. like and, and you know i'd propose it. it should be called a smug amendment it'll never pass it'll never pass <laughs> but what it should be is anytime there's any spending 
added to a bill, the member's name should be next to it. Being like, okay, you know, Joe from Arkansas demands $5 billion for a bridge to be named after himself. Well, I think there's some of that that's coming. So nobody's talked about this, but the House basically voted earmarks back, right? And the Senate basically voted it too. They did a bunch of reforms in the, I think it was early 2010s that banned earmarks altogether. But before they did that, they had a process in the Appropriations Committee where if you were to add anything to it, you did have to have your name on it. Because didn't Pelosi get like a library or something named after a family member or something like that? I'm like sure. Like they are paying millions. Somehow it costs millions of dollars to, to put a new sign on a library. But this is the kind of stuff that's ridiculous because it's our money paying for the stupid garbage. Yep. Their name should be next to every every cent that's spent because they're more than happy to take it. Well, that was the ultimate irony about the whole earmark debate to begin with, right? Is it like what Republicans fought for to end the earmark process was to make everything sort of block granted to the agencies of who, who, whoever was running the executive. So you've dealt yourself out of the legislative and, and the appropriations process. Right. But not only that, you also took the accountability of it out. Right. Right. So your name's no longer on it. It's now a faceless bureaucrat in right. the middle of the Department of Commerce or right. Transportation that's going to find this, this money to where it needs to go. And I think taking that back and actually putting members' names behind these right, things right. is a huge, huge part of the yes. yeah, don't process. Take, don't deal yourself out. Like, like Take ownership of the process, but have the transparency so we know what is funding what. Yeah, totally. Like, like, it, it, it. Do you have a military base in your district and you want a new bunker or whatever built? Do it. Sign your name to it. Everyone's going to be cool with that. Do you want a library named after a family member? Okay, <laughs> you need to get called out on that. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and like I said, it's because this is our money that they're taking, which also reminds me, and also with the opener, of what Kevin McCarthy said is there was an article on Fox News, right? It said the IRS targeted the poorest taxpayers while millionaires went mostly unscathed in 2022. This is a report that they 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 had uh, that was presented to them. Mm. I was told by Joe Biden that like hey, billionaires, they're like 87,000 agents. You know, we're gonna send them after billionaires and like. We're not coming for your Venmo. This is what if they you're said. making under four hundred thousand, don't worry. There was a crackdown on yeah. working class Americans that happened. But it's the way it happens every. I mean, that's the thing that the Republicans were arguing at the time, right? They were saying, "No, that's not true." Look at the data over the last thirty years of who's audited. It's not the billion. I mean, the billionaires go through the constant audits, and that's like part of the the price of admission when you have eight thousand accountants that are working yeah. for you. But like your average American is taking home a W-2, you can't afford that shit. And that's basically what these guys want to do. They want to try to squeeze everybody out of, you know, tax preparation dollars and, you know, ultimately try to recoup 50 bucks from, you know, a guy who's making 40 grand. Like it just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So hats off to Kevin McCarthy for keeping a promise. Totally. Targeting these 87,000 IRS agents right out of the gate. Because yeah. all that is, is, is basically going to be like the lowest learner thing again. It was going to be Biden's personal army. To go after working class Americans and political opponents. That needed to be shut down. Now, let me just say, before we leave this, and I know we're going to play a game around this. We're going to play a Demergerno game. But the first person to use this motion to vacate situation, they all assure us it's not a real thing. And let me remind the listening audience, one of the concessions that Kevin McCarthy made was that any one member can use what they call a motion to vacate which is having the whole House again vote on who is Speaker, right? If there is a Republican member that does this, anytime in this near future, I'm going to be red hot. I'm going to be red hot because it was fine to go through this once, but we're not going to do that again, 
right? I mean, that 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 is, we now have to be a governing majority. They now have serious shit to do. And like constant leadership debates throughout the course of a year is horrible. I'm, I'm told this is not something anybody's interested in doing. Let's make sure that that's ultimately what's going to happen here. Uh, let's play a game. Let's play well, a game. We are going to play Demogerno. Let's do it. Demogerno, Demogerno, Nobody knows. <laughs> uh, so, for our new listeners who maybe aren't familiar with this game, I'm going to read four statements, three of which were made by journalists and one by a Dem operative or a Dem politician, Smug and Holmes have to decide who is the Dem operative or politician. This is a very difficult game. It's a difficult game. And all of these statements are themed on the speaker fight. Oh, man. Which, if you were on the internet, you know there were a lot of takes out there. I, the, the, <laughs> the absolute the, worst <clears throat> takes on Earth. Worst takes the hardest, the hardest job I had in procuring this game was, you know, winnowing it down. <laughs> it was like putting on a, a biohazard suit yeah. going right into a nuclear dump. Right. <laughs> right. I felt like I was in Chernobyl. <laughs> I was looking at nuclear takes. <clears throat> okay. Statement number one. McCarthy's protracted fight over the Speaker's gavel with members of his own party was a continuation of that insurrection. Oh, my God, dude. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, What did I say? What did I say? Amazing. Amazing. Statement number two. Just now, after 11 failed attempts at electing Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House, the House Republicans voted to adjourn until noon tomorrow. House Republican division and dysfunction will spill over into January 6th, mm. A day that lives in infamy. <laughs> I love the just wedging it in. <laughs> oh, man. Statement number three. And this is um, this is in reference to that Buffalo Bills player. Oh, yeah. The oh, Kamar collapsed. Yeah. yeah. Come, come on. S- somehow that shoe. No, c- c- come in. on. I'm serious. You ready? Oh, my God. I'm bracing myself. And there's re- they're referencing some of the, uh, you know, Republican holdouts. Imagine those two doctors we just listened to who treated and all of the people on the field who cared for that Buffalo Bills player. Imagine if somebody said no or no, I want to do the other job. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like like they were letting Kevin McCarthy die or something. What? <laughs> like, really? Like <clears throat> That person's in a competition. Be like, how can I be the worst human alive oh. right now? Statement number four. <laughs> if he becomes speaker on the anniversary of January oh. 6th insurrection, I don't think we should let that go. Oh. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's an impossible game. It's an impossible game. I mean, I'm just looking through all this. Um, all these takes are such absolute garbage. Like, oh, I mean, part of the deal I'd want from from KMAC is like, we need to have the Journal Control Act. (laughs) (laughs) Got to expand the facilities in Gitmo. That would have gotten your vote? 100%. That's the only way I'm with it. You're like, Gitmo or bust. Now it's got to happen. It's got to happen. 
They're getting worse. (laughs) (laughs) Time to hold them accountable. You can round them up up in the press gallery. Listen to these takes. Yeah, those are hot. Does anybody need a reread? I mean, are you ready? Should I turn away and you give your guess, or do you want to? I'm ready. Okay, all right. All ready. All right, so let's kind of go through these here. I, I think, I mean, the problem is is that you've got three Jan Sixers and a Buffalo Bills DeMar yeah. tweet. I mean, this is, in terms of Demer Journo heat value, yeah. this is the sun. Yeah. I don't think there's anything we've ever had hotter than this. This is unbelievable. I mean, you, they've compared McCarthy's election three times to Jan 6 and once to the Buffalo Bills doctors that are <laughs> you don't even know I mean, what a rough transition I mean, that must have been on cable TV and right? I, every time I hear these kind of stupid comparisons it's like why do we never hear any comparisons about January 6th to an entire summer where every major city in the US was ransacked yeah <sighs> you know well, we never get that comparison but, we get people on the floor having a vote Compared to that, but we never hear a comparison about every major scene in the U.S. burning. D.C. burned. You know what I think? I it was think like the British are back. War 1812. <laughs> but okay, that's okay. I think, it, it I think was mostly we, peaceful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mostly what peaceful. I've been told I think we need. Way. I think we need a new sound effect in the in the board. I've thought about this during my hiatus. Okay. When I read a particularly nuke <laughs> take, <laughs> we, need a we need we need we need a Geiger. You know, a Geiger yes. counter yes. sound effect. <laughs> Yes. Tick, 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 tick. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, all right. So this first one, McCarthy's protracted fight was a continuation of the insurrection. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Let me table that one. Let me table that one. Um, after 11 failed attempts, GOP will spill into January 6th. Uh, it feels a little operative for me but i also feel like that's could be like a tapper right so i watched i mean i was watching Dude, that does sound like doesn't it <laughs> like i watched 100%. i watched everything and i was flipping around and i thought actually cnn had a number of of like salient points they were actually much more measured than they normally were but tapper transitioned in and out of these things with so much jan six it was unbelievable so i'm gonna but here's the thing is Tapper count as a journal or a dem because he was a a comms director for a a dem member so I I just don't know how I can get through the Buffalo Bills thing without saying that that's an an operative so because it just feels so unbelievable to me and I can hear a journal doing the rest of this like I don't think we should let that go in number four that feels like a a journal trying to talk themselves into saying something that's intemperate mm. and not comparable in any form or fashion. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say three is the operative. Okay. So smug uh, guest number four, right? Mm-hmm. Number four, if he becomes speaker on the anniversary of January 6th insurrection, I don't think we should let that go. That was Casey Hunt. Oh my mm. god! Mm-hmm. <clears throat> wow. I, I, but I agree with your analysis there that that we does a lot of work. It does a lot. It's of like this collective we. Yeah, it's know. like all of us on this panel right. have an obligation. Yeah. Completely giving up any semblance of like I'm here is just a fact. Right. Just a fact. No, I'm gonna wedge. I'm gonna wedge Gen Six in here. Um, 
statement number one, McCarthy's protracted fight over the speaker's gavels with members of his own party was a continuation of that insurrection. That was MSNBC's Jonathan Capehart. <laughs> and, see, I, I guessed I guessed journal on that because they yeah. said protracted because yeah. every journal wants to sound smart, even though they got to use this degree. Yeah. Yeah, a continuation yeah. of the insurrection. Protracted. So it's d- it's down to two or three, and three is your guess, Holmes. Yeah. Number three, the Buffalo Bills one. I won't reread it because it's so disgusting. <laughs> that was John King. No. Yeah. Are you serious? No. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. There need to be more cuts. Number two was Congressman Richie Torres. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Rare, rare that you both miss. Rare. Tough, tough game. Today, That's a though. tough game, though. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, let's get in and out of that. Honestly, boy, oh nobody boy. won with those. Nobody <laughs> knows. Nobody this is, knows. This is when you need the Geiger counter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I know if I'm if all of you or anything like me, last weekend was a time to get rid of your Christmas decorations, mm-hmm. right? And you know, I took them all down. Smug, I'm assuming you tossed your artificial tree in the trash. It's gone, dude. Right down the chute? I mean, like, I don't take any responsibility for it. Is it in the chute currently? I'm not the chute guy. It's in the chute. <laughs> it's currently in the chute, <laughs> ruining everybody else's January. I did my job. <laughs> God. So, I got all mine down, uh, but there's an interesting new way in The Guardian uh, that we have been discussing here at some length over the weekend, suggesting on how you get rid of your trees. Smug, I know this got your attention. Yeah, so this is completely insane. It says, uh, uh, the best way to get rid of your Christmas tree, just eat it. Eat it? Eat eat it. Yeah. Like for dinner? Yeah. So they say, instead of sending their pine, fir, and spruce trees for recycling or replanting, replanting, Replanting? Replant? You cut People it down. People are trying to replant. What, do you take it out with the root system? Like, this is what I'm talking about, dude. <laughs> what is that? They think they can change the oh. weather. They can just put a cut tree in the ground, and it works. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is party of science. Growing numbers of eco-conscious households are trying to make the most of them by eating various parts before throwing them out. No. Fur trees can be used in ice cream. Ice cream. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> these people these people are disgusting. The only the only reasonable is has an even a flavored gin. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, Flavor fine, gin. but gin already tastes like a Christmas tree. Yeah, it, and ice cream, you're gonna ruin ice cream. It, it'll taste like toothpaste. What are you doing? <laughs> that that is exactly what it would end up <laughs> Pickle vegetables? How what's what there's a pickling property in your tree? In your tree. Uh, food experts say the needles can be used like rosemary or bay leaves in cooking to create a flavor. Like, this is, okay, this is just complete madness. And it says, and a good source of vitamin C. I'll just drink OJ, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not gnawing on the tree being like, I gotta hit my daily. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's flu season. Better eat my tree. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, this is incredible. The, the best is this follow-up, though. Is uh, this is from WCNC in Charlotte? Meanwhile, in America, doctors warn against eating your Christmas tree. <laughs> Says Dr. Carla Robinson tells WCNC Charlotte, certain Christmas trees are edible. However, consuming the one in your home is probably not your best <laughs> bet for a number of reasons. You don't know in many cases where your tree came from. You don't know if it was treated with any pesticides or chemicals that could potentially harm you if ingested. Like I know my tree had the like fake snow effect <laughs> going on. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if these dudes tried eating plastic. Wait like, a listen, 
you know, I don't want to send it to a dump. I'm going to biodegrade it. Wait a minute. You think the libs would eat a plastic Christmas tree because the newspaper told them it was a good idea? They, would, they want to eat the bugs. Yeah. I, why would you be surprised they'd eat plastic? <laughs> yeah. With the snow effect. <laughs> it's just like frosting, bro. It's just like frosting. I can't. But, but here, hold, wait, hold on, hold on. We have another. I missed this entirely the first time I looked through it. According to the National Christmas Tree Association, the best way to recycle your tree is to bring it to a drop-off recycling center or a tree recycler or mulching program. So once again, the National Christmas Tree Association is involved in our in our discussion here today. This is a very powerful outfit. You know, yeah. if I had to guess, well this, organized. Is, this is the play for big tree, and this is why I would never recycle my tree, right? Because <laughs> here's what they're doing here. Is they're like, okay, folks, recycle your tree, a.k.a., you know, give us back the tree you paid for, and now we're going to sell it to a company that makes mulch. And then we're going to— So we're going to get money off you twice. Do you think Big Tree is Big like, Tree is like loving it. January, they're probably like, okay, mulch time, man. Like, they're working at Goldman Sachs around Every you? mulch distributor in the ends? country knows you hit a Big Tree, and they're like, all right, what's the stock looking like? How many people did you trick? <laughs> 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 you know? <laughs> Oh, like great. I'm never like if I had a real tree, it's a hundred percent never getting recycled, dude. It's just gonna you know, cause a problem. What are you? Are you saying to shoot right down the chute again? I mean, no, no, it's it, <laughs> you know if a buddy's got a truck, we're gonna find a place, and we're gonna throw it. You just throw it, throw it the wherever air. it lands, dude. <laughs> wherever it goes, not on my land. <laughs> the problem plastic, solved, dude. The plastic tree. <laughs> you just rifle the tree out I'm of the truck. I'm recycling nothing. <laughs> the only person who paid to get enjoyment out of that tree is me. It's not going to the mulch people. <laughs> Would you send the plastic tree to the mulch people? Honestly, that might be worth it. That might be worth it. To because see it's how like that you're, works? You're just tricking people here. You so know? I'm going to trick you. Yeah, that's what happens. I mean, I bet they're so like used to like the <laughs> lemmings who would be like, yes, I will recycle my tree. I will put this in my car and I will haul it for you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to do your job. I paid you, and I'm going to do your job. <laughs> isn't that? But isn't that what like the cities and counties do? That they collect your trash and they say set your tree out on the side. Isn't that right. basically? Don't they just mulch all that? All that? And that's but, like the mulch for the year. That's that's what I thought. I mean, maybe yeah, I'm wrong. I, I wouldn't let them have it either. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's going right in the median. It's, yeah, that's where it goes. That's where it goes. They're going to have to pay and send somebody to go get it. <laughs> That's my tax dollar. And if it's snowy, <laughs> you can probably get it to sit upright for a little bit until it all yeah, melts and falls re over. Replant. Well, <laughs> you know, the old replant. The old cut and replant. <laughs> like I read in the paper, you could replant this, dude. With the snow effect on your plastic tree, it will blend right in. <laughs> totally. You're totally fucked. Big tree's coming after you now. Uh, so you guys remember this when we were growing up about the ozone layer? A lot of discussion about the ozone layer. And, and the libs used to tell us that like the ozone layer was thinning. It was all about the carbon dioxide in the air yeah. and like the industrial revolution, like motorized vehicles, everything else. It just like thinned our ozone layer. Remember holes in the ozone? Remember we yeah, talked dude. about yeah. this all, all the time. All this garbage, oh, yeah. dude. Right? It was just like, oh man, the ozone layer. And then and then that debate sort of shifted. It went from climate cooling to ozone in the acid rain era. Right. And then it moved into climate change, has, where we are now. The mm -hmm. Honest, serious question. Has anyone here experienced acid rain? No. I don't know if that was real, dude. <laughs> like, remember, we'd all hear about that. Oh, no, acid rain. It was like in the late 80s, no, early I, 90s, I think it right? was real. I think it was real. It was like in California in the late 80s, early 90s, I think was where it was the worst in the United States. I don't think it's our fault what's happening in the rain in California, dude. Like, God knows. <laughs> God knows what's going yeah, on. Yeah, God knows what's happening there. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't have a scientific. Game. I bet McDaniel does though, because he puts our episodes chock full of scientist shit yeah, now. Yeah. So you know, we're gonna learn about it one of these days. It'll be in the ombudsman report. I'm sure. P- I'm sure Penas has a study yeah. <laughs> of Big Wood. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> That's what we need. We can combine all the forces. Here. Yeah. I love it. Okay, so anyway, it turns out, as according to the Wall Street Journal, UN report finds significant thickening of the ozone layer, helping to protect humans and other life while slowing climate change. You've got to be kidding. Oh, in a report released Monday by the United Nations Environment Program and World Meteorological Association or Organization, researchers found a th- significant thickening of the ozone layer a region of the atmosphere uh, from 9 to 18 miles high that absorbs ultraviolet rays and prevents them from reaching the Earth's surface. Mm. Interesting that this isn't everywhere. I know. I mean, what happened to the climate catastrophe? The report found that ozone-damaging chlorine declined by 11.5% in the stratosphere between its peak of 1993 and 2020, and then they go through a whole bunch of shit like you don't need to know. Anyway, the fact is, it's getting thicker. And and yet again, I was completely right. I always I always tell people like, don't <laughs> yet believe. Again, me. I was completely. Yeah. This is a fucking hilarious. Never ever trust <laughs> these climate people when they're like the climate changes. You know, like oh no, we're driving cars. It's gonna get hot, and then we're gonna have an ice. <laughs> it's like here's the thing: is like okay, why did what from the ice age right where the mastodons driving eighteen wheelers, and that's why everything heated up. <laughs> so the world changes, dude. Things change. <laughs> You know, like the dinosaurs were here, and then it got cold, and then it got warm. That's the way it works. I don't think the dinosaurs or the mastodons were driving too many trucks or using too many chlorine that is going in the air. Might as well just party till the big rock shows up. I mean, that's the thing. It's like there's only one person in charge of what's happening, and it ain't us. (laughs) (laughs) But it is fascinating, right? I mean, mean, it just goes to show it's like the whole global warming they had to change it to climate change they're like oh yeah also when it's cold it's our fault too right it's like right. okay dude by by being overly vague they can take credit for any change in anything and say anything. oh this is our fault it's like, oh heads i win tails but i remember I, win. I remember like 60 minutes specials and stuff about how well you know the ozone's irreparable right right once there's a hole in the ozone totally it Never. can't grow back it is just a hole I and would, it gets worse and worse every year and you're all going to die soon that's when we should have drawn the line dude when they were teaching that test in school of like, I don't know about this, and here we are now. Look at the mess. I think we need to keep our eye on this. I think we need to keep our eye on this, and I think we need to look towards PNAS, yeah. who I'm sure has a lot of coverage of the thickening. <laughs> oh. It is a family show. It's a family show. Family you can show. see the disgust on my face. Unbelievable. Smug works hard to protect this kind of nonsense. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mom. Uh, yeah, she knows what's coming. Um so Biden finally went to the border. Yeah. Uh, fellas, I, I don't know about you, but like the fact that it's two years plus into this guy's administration and they finally go to the border after the Republicans win the House of Representatives, they want credit for it. Uh, he went to El Paso on Sunday as a part of his first trip to the U.S.-Mexico border as president amid a major influx of migrants and asylum seekers arriving at the border. I don't know if you guys saw the, the pictures, but he's walking around, along Trump's wall. Did you see this? <laughs> yeah. And, and, did, um, did you see that? I did. I want to say it was... He wanted that backdrop. Right. Oh, it's just unbelievable. He wanted that backdrop. I, I want to say it was Will Kane uh, from Fox News who uh, tweeted out these like photos and clips of... They're not showing Biden what it looked like a week ago and what's looked like for the past two years, right? They basically like 
rounded up all the illegal migrants, relocated them, right? Cleaned everything up so it looks like, oh, the situation is totally under control. Like, they basically showed him the theme park version They of gave the him the border. full North Korea treatment? Totally. Like, you sh- they have, like, side-by-side photos of, like, where there was just, like, a camp of just piled up, like, clothes and people gone. Completely gone. 18 holes in one. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's, it, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. And, like... The thing is, is that that is happening like right in front of our, our eyes. Like they're lying to the president, and he's he knows he knows he wants this like lie, and the and the media is being completely complicit and being like, huh, looks like there's no crisis at the border. Meanwhile, who they go after is like the folks who are actually trying to 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 protect the border of our country. They're like, oh, you were whipping people. They lie about that. Yeah, they, totally they get those people fired. They ruin yeah. those people's careers and lives and their families' income. To cover up this lie of that they know they've left the border completely open and they want it that way. I mean, so it turns out uh, Greg Abbott delivered a letter to him where he gave him five steps that he would take to secure the border. And, like, we'll see, right? I mean, I don't think Biden's going to follow any of that. I don't think so either. No, absolutely not. I mean, it, it's just... it. One of the things that, if you guys recall, when we had Tony Gonzalez on here, yeah. congressman from, from that area, um, he was super frustrated because he couldn't get anybody in the administration to answer his phone call, right? I mean, Kamala was the border czar, and like she never called him back. And like literally nobody in the administration would deal with them about this horrible humanitarian condition and crime and everything else that was happening in his district as a result of the border policy. Well, he wanted to go on this trip, and they didn't let him. It's incredible. It's pretty incredible, right? I mean, well, probably because they knew that he would have called them out on on uh, everything they cleaned out of Biden's photos. Yeah, he would have been like, "Let me take you to the other side of the coin here." Yeah, right. And so now, now, well, now that we have a House majority and an investigation ability, they can go back and they can FOIA and they can get information on what was cleaned out of Biden's way, so that it wasn't in the backdrop of his photos. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Oh, it's so, a, and it says here uh, in this article from Axios, uh, after the pre- speaking of uh, um, um, Governor Abbott, after the president departed Air Force One at El Paso International Airport, Biden briefly spoke to Texas Governor Greg Abbott, whose office said Abbott gave Biden a letter containing five actions. Uh, among the steps was to continue enforcing the pandemic era border policy called Title Forty Two, and I mean I think this is just like the most sensible kind of approach to the border of basically okay we have to have a closed border and you can't enter the country unless you have a reason you have to actually like there's more involved in like imagine if if an american tried entering any country being like i don't have a passport i don't have anything yeah i'm just like well you're going on the first plane right on back yeah right but somehow it's okay for america to be like oh you know what no it's listen they would be very wise to listen to greg abbott on this stuff i mean Mm. he's they obviously been in the front line of all of it for from the beginning but it turns out he he only invited democrats on this trip veronica escobar henry cuellar vincente gonzalez all of them democrats along with some local leaders according to the white house i think you're right i think this is basically one of those things where they're trying he's trying to reboot right Mm. biden now that they're in a presidential cycle they're trying to reframe the last two years, right? So he'll go to the border, but only under very protected circumstances, right? Because he doesn't, they know what a liability that is. Mm-hmm. So he's only going invite, to invite Democrats, probably not going to take any tough questioning. He did the thing on infrastructure last week in, in the middle of the country, trying to show show up with Republicans. 
it is nonsense. This guy and all of these Democrats learned all of the wrong lessons from the midterm. Right? No Republican should stand with him. He needs to be <laughs> held accountable. That's I mean, they do. I'm just going to say there is nothing that Joe Biden or this crew of Democrats that will do in the next two years that's not just totally either self-serving or wrong for the country. Mm-hmm. Right? And if you can clip some stuff that's self-serving that's actually stuff that needs to be done, so be it. That's great. But Joe Biden deserves no credit. I mean, this is a guy, his administration was literally saying there is no border crisis. Yeah. I, I, you know, what I would like to know is where did they relocate the, the migrants? Who they moved the, out of the picture. Where did they question. relocate them to? I'm sure it was not Martha's Vineyard. They put them in the Obama cages, dude. That's when they want. That's the thing about the Democrats. They want out of sight, out of mind. You know, we want to look like we're the compassionate good guys. They don't want to deal with the facts that coyotes are, are human trafficking. That's something like 30, 40, 50 percent of women get sexually assaulted on the on the way up here. They don't they don't want to deal with any of those real facts of what they've enabled mm-hmm. and allow. Yeah. They want to be like, oh, it looks clean to me. You know, it says here in the article that uh, over the past week, law enforcement officers were tasked with rounding up migrants and relocating them. But to where? To where? Right. And I bet they went on planes. Yeah, which is human trafficking, trafficking, as as we've been told. told. Yeah. So anyway, there's been a lot been made about this pivot. Axios had an article, but the the one piece that I'd like to pull out of it is, you know, he's trying to do what Clinton did in the early 90s, right? Where he was trying to get to the center and triangulate between Mm. the two parties and sort of pick and choose of of policies that sort of poll above 50% and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. But chief of staff, this is according to Axios, chief of staff Ron Klain has developed a finely tuned antenna to detect any disappointment by progressives as he keeps an open door to hear their concerns. <laughs> oh, thank God. Thank the, fi- God. the finely tuned antenna is he just is on Twitter all day. He's on Twitter <laughs> and MSNBC. Right. Right? Oh, my God. Just completely ridiculous. Um, so we got more science. Jesus, I feel like we're overdoing this. <laughs> I hate science, dude. There's one I'm thing done that, with science and experts. There's one thing that I thought was interesting, and that's all I want to do on this. Uh, the fastest man-made object. Oh, interesting. I'd like to hear this. The fastest man-made. So you're it's thinking not of, the SR-71 Blackbird? Yep. No, very good guess. Good guess. Very good guess. Or like some kind of a space shuttle mm-hmm. or something like that. If you ever get a chance and you're in Northern Virginia or the D.C. area, Go to that Air and Space Museum out in Dulles, not the one downtown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one that's out there. The one that's out there. They got the Blackbird. They got the shuttle. If you have kids, they can run around like crazy because it's inside of a hangar. Highly recommend. Sorry, I had to. No, no, no. That's. I'm glad you said it because all that stuff is there, including the the Chuck Yeager. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Outfit. It's, no kidding. It's inc- yeah. it's incredible. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. No, it really is. It's. I, I took my mm-hmm. uh, my kids there uh, and they loved it. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's incredible. Anyway, the fastest man, it's a manhole cover. And you're like, what? huh? What? How the hell does that work? Well, according to uh, ZME Science, where does he find this stuff? Like, yeah, it's I'm incredible. a little concerned about what McDaniel's looking at <clears throat> on the internet. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it's, that's, <laughs> it's not a recent development, but uh, neither here nor there. So America's first underground nuclear test was conducted on the night of July 26, 1957. The bomb was placed at the hollow... Uh, at the bottom of a hollow column approximately 485 feet deep, a 900-kilogram, 10-centimeter, 4-inch iron cap was welded on the top. That's this uh, situation. Within a couple of milliseconds of the bomb's detonation, the cap was jettisoned as the explosion climbed to the column, 
forming a Roman candle-like plume into the atmosphere above the shaft. Uh, scientist Robert Brownlee's team decided to mount a high-speed camera on what would record the event, but once the bomb was detonated on August 27, 1957, the cap appeared above the hole for just one frame. Hmm. Brownlee later calculated that the cap must have been traveling at 125,000 miles per hour or five times the escape velocity of Earth. Wow. We sent the sucker into orbit. That is amazing. Yeah, so everyone expected the manhole uh, cover somewhere, but it never did. In fact, it might very well have ended up in space. Uh, Months before the Soviet Union Sputnik 1 launched from Earth, uh, becoming the first artificial satellite in history. So, I, like, we beat the Russians. We did it. We yeah. won. Yep. That's all I'm getting out of this is we were actually first. Yeah, we were first. Every, we were first. every step of the way, USW. We oh, beat yeah. him with we beat him with a manhole we cover. We nuked a manhole cover and <laughs> sent it into space. <laughs> now, there are a few things more American than that. <laughs> but that's an incredible story, isn't it? I mean, that's amazing. A good story. 125,000 miles per hour. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering, does that thing become, like, liquid metal at that speed? Uh, it could. Uh, Yuri Gagarin, eat your heart out. <laughs> it's good pull it's a good pull good pull but it's wild i mean that's that's something that's like uh something else we uh, did it um do we have a twitter update smug is it elon's new monster vp oh boy this is okay let's let's see what this is about i haven't what is this about so it says uh before elon musk made her one of his most powerful lieutenants at twitter ella Irwin spent four years at amazon where intensity inspired both respect and terror. The pressure was ceaseless. Her emails landed at all hours. Quote, she made me cry my first week. <laughs> hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> a former employee told, here we go, the Daily Beast. Oh, oh here we Jay. go. One space in the office became known as the cry room. That like, is awesome. Here's the thing is, uh, so one of the things that Elon has apparently done uh, at all the various Twitter buildings is like, you know, no more like nap. Uh, you know, uh, nap time, free lunches. Yeah, like the, the only sleeping is like okay, you're crashing there basically. Like he's got cots out, and he's even crashing there. Yeah, you know, for a few hours, and then they get back to work. So like all the perks of like okay, you got a masseuse and like a Michelin star chef making you lunch. You know, I, it seems like those days are gone. And so of course it'd be like a cry room if if you if you send an email to one of these people and they're like, no one speaks to me that way. Straight like, to, signing me work. Like, straight to the cry room. Yeah. So uh, I love that the person who actually supports this lady said, um, I've never learned more. I think sometimes she just missed a human piece of how to treat people. (laughs) 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 Well, Lord knows they've had a lot of work to do there, right? And, And amongst all of that is what we've been seeing coming out left and right about, you know, COVID, about speech suppression, about all that nonsense. And like... I guess if they're hurting some feelings, it doesn't bother me. Yeah, I think House Republicans need to bring Ella Irwin in to talk to them (laughs) and help them set up a cry room for the libs (laughs) who are in the House for what they face over the next six months. I just think there's a real reckoning in the tech industry on their whole culture of work. Yep. And, you know, and you've said this a lot, Smug, over the last year, as it's been obvious that the American economy is in a recession, that, like, they're going to wake up and realize that, like, there's an awful lot of staff that they've taken on that don't accomplish their job, right? And, uh, I mean, you just look at the headlines. Everybody's been trimming staff, like huge, huge, huge Yeah, Amazon numbers. had like 22,000 cuts, <clears throat> and I think, was it Salesforce who said yeah. that they're cutting 10% of the staff straight up? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just coming. 
it's just coming and it's been a good time for tech but like some of this stuff is you know but the thing that i want to go into as it relates is this covid white house censorship stuff Smug. Yeah, because I think that's like the even the we're, we're finding out, and maybe this lady's a, a part of it, is that as more documents come out, the more ridiculous it's it's becoming. Newly released documents, this is according to the Wall Street Journal, show that the White House played a major role in censoring Americans on social media. Email exchanges between Rob Flaherty, the White House's digital director of media, and the social media executives prove the companies put COVID censorship policies in place in response to relentless coercive pressure from the White House, not voluntarily. Interesting, right? And uh, I think uh, uh, I saw a tweet specifically, it was maybe Andrew Sarabian, someone had this, of a screenshot of one of the emails to Twitter of being like, here's a tweet from Tommy Lahren saying she doesn't want to get the vaccine. Can we like get this account shut down for this? Mm. Like I mean, that's, the, that's how hard in the paint they were about like, you absolutely can't have any sort of an opinion and the federal government is now regulating what americans can say i mean so part of this were emails that emerged from the stuff we were talking to schmidt about Mm -hmm. eric schmidt the new senator from missouri who was in the discovery phase of missouri v biden it was a free speech case brought by the attorneys general schmidt and then landry i believe it is in in louisiana um where they they uncovered all this stuff and on March 14, 2021, Mr. Flaherty emailed a Facebook executive, and they redacted the name, with the subject line, you're hiding the ball, and a link to the Washington Post article about Facebook's own research into, quote, the spread of ideas that contribute to vaccine hesitancy, as the paper put it. I think there is a misunderstanding, the executive wrote back. I don't think, I don't think this is a misunderstanding, Mr. Flaherty responded. We are gravely concerned that your service is one of the top drivers of the vaccine hesitancy, period. Um, that's pretty amazing. I mean, what, what they're doing from the White House, from a .gov White House account, yep. which, you know, has to be one of the most intimidating handles in the business, Yeah. right? Is, is threatening a platform directly by saying your platform is what's responsible for vaccine hesitancy and you need to do more about it. That's incredible, mm-hmm. right? Especially when now you get a year removed from all of that and you find out all the facts about the vaccine itself, right? Which all the claims, I mean, I saw a bunch of clips the other day about Fauci telling everybody, like, get the vaccine, you never have to worry about this again. Yep. You know, nobody's going to be reinfected. You can prevent yourself from being reinfected. Like all stuff that we know is like beyond a shadow of a doubt untrue. All these guys were working on the other side to prevent people from saying. And and there was even an email that I saw a screenshot of where uh, this guy, Rob Flaherty, was trying to get Tucker shut down. Oh, like, my God. They, like that is wild that they're like, OK, the White House is now putting its weight behind trying to make sure Americans can't hear from Tucker Carlson. That's wild. Also, I, I just, I think we have to, in the words of Marco Rubio, dispel this fiction. <laughs> 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 that any of these platforms are drivers of anything. It's just society reflected back at us. Like, That's right. You know, Tucker Carlson has a show on, on, on television every single night. If people would like to seek out information from Tucker Carlson, it's not because... Facebook is forcing them to. They've they've, cho- they've chosen to do that. We live in a free society and in a democracy. Like, what if the word wasn't 
vaccine hesitancy? What if it was your service is one of the top drivers of um, invading Iraq hesitancy? You know, yeah, would you want your government shutting down opposition to the war in Iraq? Of course you you wouldn't. But I'm saying it's a slippery slope mm-hmm. between... No, there's no difference. Right. There that, is that, no fundamental there's, difference. There's no fundamental difference between someone from the government saying your platform is driving vaccine hesitancy when you close these accounts and saying, you know, this these people aren't patriotic because they don't support the war in Iraq. You should shut their accounts. I mean, it's the same pressure of government being put on private institutions. And it's all ideological. Yes. In a I, sense. And I, I just, I, I hope conservatives and people who care about individual liberty in this country don't grab the hot oven and say, we can do it better. Because when you empower the government to do shit like this, this is what they do. This, this is, is what they do. This I mean, is what they do. Look at, look at the extent of their power here. It says, Mr. Flaherty also strong-armed Google in April 2021, accusing YouTube, uh, of, which Google owns, of funneling people into vaccine hesitancy. He said this concern was, quote, shared at the highest, and then in parentheses, and bolded. And I mean the highest levels of the White House. It required more work to be done. Mr. Flaherty demanded to know what further measures Google would take to remove disfavored content. So, but... but that is insane. Dis- it's insane. Disfavored. Yeah, disfavored. Disfavored content. content. These people are like psychotic. The, <laughs> like the, the term, the dis terms that they've come up with, like, oh, that's disinformation. You know, this disfavored. Like, this is because they want to try to hide the fact that if they were being honest, they're like, we don't want anyone critical of us. And and we're going to use the force of the government to make sure no one can can contradict what we want to demand the people do is wild it's wild but but here to your point you were making about how it's not limited it's not right and the people who do this think they're doing good yeah oh yeah and and and, and clear in the clear conscience they think they're doing good but in that trade what you've done is undemocratic (laughs) (laughs) well let me give you a specific example of how it's undemocratic he faulted the companies again. He was talking to, to to all of these these platforms. He faulted the companies' insufficient zeal in earlier efforts to control political speech. Mm. "Quote: In the electoral context, you tested and deployed an algorithmic shift that promoted quality news and information about the election. You only did this, however, after an election that you helped increase skepticism in and an insurrection." which was plotted in large part by your platform. Insane. And then you turned it off and backed off. I want some assurances based in data that you're not doing the same thing again here. Yeah. Okay. Jeez. And then and the executive had to respond, understood. Man. No, oh, I, this is crazy. Do you understand what we're talking yeah. about here? Algorithmic shifts to quality political information. Mm-hmm. It's like that crazy news guard thing that the libs have tried pushing. That, right. Like, they, the left wing operatives basically rank websites that they're like, okay, MSNBC. This is what you should CNN be allowed to see. Fox, absolutely dangerous misinformation. Anything to the to the to the right of Bernie Sanders is basically disinformation, and they will only demand. And and this is under the guise of being like, oh, we're just like a, a responsible journalism. They think they're. They honestly think they're doing good. Yeah, well, that's the thing when you're completely. But evil. you look at the like Glenn Greenwalds of the world, right? Like these these are like leftists, you know, who are big free speech advocates who lived through like periods like I mentioned earlier, like the Iraq War. Yeah, and they've seen the other side of this, right? When 
when the left was arguing against something, if this sort of suppression was happening on the Internet at that time, they would have the same argument we're having today. And people like him are the only honest people who see the full Both spectrum, the full spectrum yeah. and, and recognize the danger of this sort of government control. Yeah. Because we used to have an ACLU. Right. Now a the real ACLU, ACLU is basically just another left wing group. Right. I mean, it, that, that's, I think, another perfect example. There's right. been an erosion of a lot of these civil liberties people who used to see this sort of stuff and be as scared as we are. They're just they, they don't exist now. anymore. They're yeah. just political well, leftists. That's what, I mean, the left's basically goal has been just the capture of institutions. Yeah. And they've succeeded in a, in a fantastic way, whether it's in this exact way. We have an example of ex- essentially extortion on massive corporations, which is how they've captured, you know, with their, with their boycotts and threats of corporations. Uh, which DeSantis has basically shown will not work anymore. Right. Um, they've done it with university systems. They're doing it schools. And, you know, you name the institution, they're trying to push their left-wing dogma to have absolute control. By and, the way. In this way, of even the way people are allowed to think and say. This is terrifying, and I, I hope we get more and more of it. By the way, you mentioned DeSantis. Do you see Sununu take a shot at him over the Disney thing? Did he? Yeah. This guy's got a lot of balls. Wait, you're kidding me. No. What, what what did he what did he attack him on? Oh, he just attacked him over how he handled Disney. What? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I just I can't literally I can't. This I think he fashions himself a presidential contender. I really do. Well, it's, I mean, honestly, we all know my feelings on this. Oh, yeah. No, I'm just I will, I'm going to reserve the balance of my time. Are you? Because I really hope he does. <laughs> and so you can you can fully express yourself. I would like the powder to be fresh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I, you know what? Here's the thing. I, like, I'm ready for this race to be real. I mean, we are, I guess, a, a year and a month from Iowa, the Iowa caucus. Yeah, Is let's it go. Really? Like, it, I mean, think about that. It's, yeah. it's January, be, uh, what, first week in February, generally. Yeah. Right? Yep. So we're basically a year from from voting in the presidential Republican primary. Oh. So, I mean... I can't wait. I think it's healthy for our party, regardless of what candidate you support, that we need to start having this argument, but we need to be, like, having it for real. Yeah, I don't want any fake arguments. Yes. I want to lay it all out there. I want to fight. You want to keep having these arguments, like, like get in the race. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And I want it to be, like, a Royal Rumble primary. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I'm guessing we're going to have, like, 40 people in the ring cool with me i just think that is the most healthy thing our party can do i've said it since like the week after the election is the ultimate autopsy isn't going to be something produced by the rnc or whoever like the the post 2022 midterm autopsy is the presidential primary where we argue about who's the has the best vision to go forward i think that's really really true but people have to run to do it yeah they gotta run to do it no question about it rage in the cage as they call it Rage in the cage. Exactly. Despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. (laughs) (laughs) To quote Smashing Pumpkins. (laughs) All right, let's play a game, fellas. Let's play a game. Well, we're going to do a special edition here uh, because of my absence and my inability to work like a lazy person that I am. Today, we're going to do a special treat, and that is a Tuesday, King of the Hill. Uh, I can't wait so good uh so smug you have our defending champion sherry jacobus correct that's right who are you bringing to the table well so i I want the listeners to know that i sought 
uh, far and wide, I sought uh, opinions from everybody because I knew that there was a level of nuclear activity over the last week that you could be mined almost anywhere. Right. I almost, almost went with a former congressman. Okay. Uh, I didn't do that. Uh, I, the what I ultimately settled on: if you're going to beat Sherry at a time of maximum nuclear fallout, yeah, you need the Queen. You need the queen. You need Jen Rubin. Yeah. You got to fight fire with fire. You got to fight fire with fire. It's the only way to know that you're going to be in the ball game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I, I brought Jen Rubin. Okay. Well, let's go ringside. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. It's time for King of the Hill. In the red corner, fighting from the Washington Post, the return of the Queen, Jennifer Brain Worms Rubin. And now, in the blue corner, fighting out of a Twitter account in an undisclosed location, and current champion of the world, Kami Cherry Jacobus. I like that. I like that a lot. I like the undisclosed location. It gave me like Mark Levin vibes. <laughs> I like that. Okay. Okay. So our defending champion has to go first. Smug, what do you got for me? Um, you know, this is also like a sign of respect for bringing Jen Rubin is I'm going to have to just, it's going to be all nukes. Like I'm going to have to fire, go for the the two round knockout. Okay. Um, so for, you know, longtime listeners and enthusiasts, you know, one of Sherry Jacobus's hobby horses is Merrick Garland. Oh, yes. But this is next level. <laughs> next level. How did Merrick get involved this week? Yeah. Oh, it, he's not fighting hard enough. That's okay. her whole bit. Yeah. Yeah. Here it is. It says, uh. Sherry Jacobus, Merrick Garland could indict and prosecute the GOP Sedition Caucus, and they would not be able to cast votes in the House from prison. <laughs> Dems could then call a vote to vacate McCarthy from the speakership and have the votes to make Rep. Jeffries the speaker. No way. Like, here's how democracy works. So you put all your opponents in jail, and then you vote. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a take. So her take, her take was Merrick Garland should basically do his own insurrection. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, he was supposed to, to storm the floor of the house and like frog march Jim Jordan out of the chamber. That's her plan for democracy. That's if Merrick Garland has the courage, he's going to walk into the Capitol and arrest all the Republicans, <laughs> and then just have a vote. <laughs> My God. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, Jen Robin. You never appreciate how superbly Speaker Pelosi did her job until someone does it so poorly. Maybe she should throw the gavel over her shoulder like a bride's bouquet. Whoever catches it gets to be the next speaker. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Gosh. These are two very interesting takes. I mean, like, strictly on fire, like hot fire, like... Sherry, and there's a panache though, with with Rides with Ruben. She has a talent for writing. See, I think it's a little. That's to me, it's just like a weird thing, as opposed to hey guys, beer hall push now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is the play. 
Which is completely different than just like a weird thing. Like just throw it over your shoulder. Okay. Yeah. As opposed to send in Merrick, lock him up, yeah. then hold the vote. Then which is the just vote. the wildest take on how government should operate. Even better is then uh, Richie Torres shows up on her show after this. Wait, she has a show? Yeah. Jerry Jacobus has a show? Of course. What's her show? I, I don't know the name of it, but she's got a show and you Richie have a, Torres is on it. That I, I, I had no idea. Yeah. yeah I've so, learned so something then here she, So after a take of being like, why don't we send in Merrick, lock up all the Republicans, and then hold a vote, this guy's like, good idea. I'm going to be on your show. <laughs> <laughs> so this isn't just like a crazy person's ideas. This is someone who's now the Dems are so crazy. They're like, you know what, Sherry? I'm going to come on your show. Good take. Wow. <laughs> Is it like a podcast? I would definitely listen to I that. Can. Oh, God, it'd be great. That'd be great when you're walking the dog, you know? <laughs> it's just like you, you hear, I mean, it won't be on like our show occasionally here, like, you know, glasses clinking, bottles opening, but then just like cats squealing <laughs> in the back. We just need that for content. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we just need a man. Get McDaniel on that thing. Can't believe we haven't pulled audio of Sherry, my Sherry. The bouquet is great. It does have a panache to it. It's good. It's good writing, honestly. Jen's got, she's got, you know, some ability there. I don't think it can compete with the insurrection <laughs> by Merrick. Round one goes to Smug. Understood. Understood. Uh, after I heard that, I decided a little different tact to play here, which is to go sequentially mm. to build a larger case that I'm making. Okay. Here for Jen Rubin. So, you know, Pelosi, great flowers. She, yeah. she, she should pick the next speaker. Here's her next tweet. After all this, McCarthy will not be elected by even half of the House. That, in capital letters, is how pathetic he is. Now, no, I know <laughs> what you're going to say. No. This no. is incredible. No. What a fucking idiot. Does anybody know how many <laughs> votes? Does anybody know how many votes Speaker McCarthy got? 216. Does anybody know how many votes Speaker Pelosi got? 216. <laughs> this, is the dumbest, Google. this is the dumbest woman alive. <laughs> that, in all capital letters, is how pathetic he is. <laughs> wow. That is a great pull. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm going to go with uh, I want to stress, you, you know, you say pathetic. Mix pathetic with crazy. This is a tweet from Sherry. You know you're a crazy cat lady when you purposely make your chicken dish bland with no spices so that you can take the leftovers to the feral cats at the railroad tracks the no next way. day as a special winter treat. This is She's just saying this in public. <laughs> Like, there should not be members of Congress going on the show. There should be, like, a wellness check. Is this a bit? No, no, dude. She is a It's million, gotta be a bit. She is dead serious. And I went through. She's got multiple multiple tweets about, like, sometimes I go to the railroad ta- tracks and, and hang out with the cats there. That's gotta be a bit. I'm dead. No, dude. I'm. Uh, she is 100% serious about uh, this. But that's the thing. It's like, if you're like, this has to be a bit and it's real. I feel like... That's like I, reality I bending. feel like the ref... <laughs> like looking at a boxer after they take an eight count and being like, I don't know if she can keep doing this. <laughs> like not in the correct mental state to compete. <laughs> what like, the f- like if if you're a friend or family member, please, you know, 
Paravisit. <laughs> Para I mean, I've always heard the fears of people in New York who are like, I'm going to die and my cat's going to eat my corpse. Is she okay? Is she okay? <laughs> it's incredible. It's cra- It's absolutely crazy. But there really is like any total lack of connection to any political content. And for that, in the judge and jury's mind, it, that knocks it down a notch. It reminds me of some of those um, like Steve Schmidt ones that are oh, sort yeah. of apolitical. Hilarious. Yeah. But they're graded on a different scale than the political content. And for that reason, Holmes, you win round two. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. I actually understand that. I remember trying to work the French connection. Yeah. Sometimes into... you got to try. You got to try. You got to work it in. Yeah. That is the most pathetic tweet I've ever seen, though. <laughs> no. Like not political. Not- the railroad cats. Like, like, I will not eat. A normal dinner like i'm giving up any seasoning can you imagine what kind of unseasoned chicken sherry is cooking like, like that's self-harm it's probably pink it's like, you know what i mean like this is like if it, when your kids try to surprise you they're like it's mother's day yeah. i made you pancakes and it looks like hell yeah but you're like oh, okay i bet that's her dinner and then she's and the cats are probably like no no they're outside no, the window going, meow, yeah they're, meow. they're like don't do it <laughs> 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 oh no <laughs> round three smug you gotta go first pal yeah okay so this is this is the big one <clears throat> weird how the trump appointed secret service quote missed the dnc pipe bomb in their sweep in advance of then vp elect kamala harris's scheduled non-public visit to the dnc on high alert day january 6th so sherry's now like the secret service or trump's hitmen and they were sent to kill Kamala. Like, that is what this tweet is saying. And she says it multiple times. There's a series of tweets. This, I thought, was the most concise. Like, <laughs> you know, she just eaten her, like, horrible chicken. She's got some energy. She dropped this with her brain completely there, what's left of which, it. Which, by the way, I don't know if you guys saw this news, but uh, Twitter's going to start allowing, like, 4,000 character tweets. Yeah, it's a huge mistake. Do you know what Sherry's going to do with that? I'm afraid. I'm afraid. It's going to be like, it's Zodiac killer shit. (laughs) No, it's going to be wild, right? Like symbols. It's going to develop to symbols. (laughs) 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 It's like the the word manifestation of like a Ouija board. Yeah. Uh, Oh, man. Okay. All right. So I've toggled between a few here. There's so many, Mm -hmm. as you might imagine. Um. But this one, I think, I feel like she reads her thesis, like her her ongoing brain worm out in the open. Well, sometimes it's almost like she's working, she's storyboarding a future column in some of her tweets. To see there, what, there's a grand theory. To see what kind of RT engagement yeah. she gets. Yeah, and then she writes it. What I appreciate most about Democrats, rule of law. Strong national defense, fair competition, legal immigration, objective reality, decency, gradualism, fidelity to the American creed. For us never Republicans, it's quite a turnaround. Wait, she's never Republican now? (laughs) She's just going to do term. This is the conservative blogger. This is the conservative she just came up with a new term and a manifesto, and the manifesto is amazing. 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 Like, rule of law, 
Are you? I mean, we just spent a whole show talking about that. Strong national defense. Has anybody been around for the last 20? They try to defund the defense department literally every chance that they get. Fair competition. What? What do they? What does she even mean? I mean, the government takes it over. I guess that's fair. I mean, I don't see legal this is- immigration. That takes balls. My favorite is gradualism. Gradualism. <laughs> yeah. But like, this isn't even an original take. Like, this is basically the Dems have been pushing this, and like Jen Rubin just parroting Dem lines is not surprising or out of the ordinary in any sense of it. But you really sure Jacoba's to- being like, okay, Trump sent the Secret Service to kill Kamala. Okay, now that's a take. That's a take. <laughs> Yeah, but she's done that before. She's never accused. uh, This is the first time I tried to find instances. This is a new case. I feel like you've played that before. This is like Picasso's blue era. She's in a new phase. I feel like you've played Trump's Secret Service trying to kill Kamala before. No, no. This is the first instance. Um, Never Republicans, but I mean, really the turn of phrase here, fidelity to the American creed. (laughs) What the hell does that mean? I mean, I don't know. Fidelity to the American creed. A fidelity to the American creed. Okay. That's what we've got here. Strong fidelity. So you're telling me, Smug, this is the first time she's mentioned the pipe bomb? A new a new kick. It's recent. Okay. I'm, uh, the, the judge is, is looking for supporting evidence. I feel like there needs to be a little bit of research done on this because I could have sworn that there was an allegation that Trump's Secret Service was somehow doing harm to uh, Biden and or Kamala in a previous game that we've done. Mm. (laughs) Bailiff has presented me some evidence here, which undermines the point of my my colleague. (laughs) comfortably smug there are a lot of tweets here about pipe bombs (laughs) but when 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 uh dude that in and of itself should be a secret service flag sherry jacobus uh marjorie pipe bomber (laughs) she calls marjorie taylor green trump ally planted pipe bomb targeting vp elect harris (laughs) So then, that's see, from July 19th. But that's Marjorie. She's moved on to Secret Service. Now oh, it's the Secret Service doing it. Trump ally. Um, I I'm, think you played at that's least the thing, one and of I have not played it. I would have remembered that. Sending a hitman T-Rec, for pipe bomb? That's a new thing. T-Rec, uh, for our new listeners, he does sort of the saber metrics of this game, King of the Hill. He might know. Um, I mean, this no, is... Yeah, I'm seeing the one from... This one's from January 6th. The one that you're mentioning, VP-elect Kamala Harris was at the DNC that day in her Secret Service detail, quote, missed the pipe bomb. That's the one you're talking mm-hmm, about? Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. I've got direct evidence here. Oh, boy. Sherry Jacobus, October 16th. Jan 6 committee needs to get the names of every Secret Service member involved <laughs> in the January 6th sweep of the DNC in advance of then VP-elect Kamala Harris's non-public visit there that day. It is not believable that the Secret Service would miss a pipe bomb, especially on a high alert there, day. It was October, and I've never played it. I would have had to play it in October. So I feel that, like that, it's been played. So this well, theory immediately is I said it's bunk. been played. So which I it know hasn't, it's been played. Which there's no evidence for this. Yeah, but I, I guess what Find I'm... Find me the evidence has been played. Well, no, well, no, 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 no. I'm, I, I'm not saying whether it's been played or not. I'm, I'm saying the take 
is 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 it's not fresh is it's recycled she has had this take for a long time which i think undermines the originality of it um in the scoring you know and like in the scoring in the scoring in the gym like if you were a gymnast right like you get points on the technical merit sure and the originality and creativity and the technical merit i mean sherry just puts tens across the board (laughs) uh the originality i hear i find lacking and for that reason, she is dethroned. Oh, Ruben. Well, I, you know what I appreciate the most about it? This is the first time in a while we've had the judge retreat to the chambers. I had to. He retreated to the chambers for a full overview. <laughs> I like that. I like that in a judge and jury. Well, I've had, I had a long break. Um, you know, the stakes were pretty high coming back. So I, I had to give the people what they want, a yeah. show. Yeah. And the queen is now back on her throne. Well, I got to say, honestly, good to have the entire team back together. Good to have a house majority in place. I, I see good things ahead, folks. And thanks again to all our listeners. We always appreciate your time. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless.